0: wrestling is a sport the definition of sport is an activity involving physical exertion and skill in which an individual or team tag team competes against another or others for entertainment hence wrestling is a sport this is the yes talk (sighs)
1: Wrestlemania 3 at the Silverdome in Pontiac, Michigan.
0: It's going to be called down the middle 50-50. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. I heard you laugh. I heard you get off on it, brother. In their business life and in their private life. Hello and welcome back to The Yes Talk. I am your host as always, Dustin Kaufman. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. If you're listening, hey, hey, do me a favor. Follow me on Twitter at The Yes Talk. Really easy at The Yes Talk. You know what else helps Helps out a whole lot. Go to iTunes. Please subscribe. Rate, review. It helps to show out so much. Just go to iTunes at The Yes Talk please subscribe or hey are you on podbean that's yes talk at trendingtopics.com. just go please one more time go to itunes please it helps the show out so much we don't have sponsorship all we're doing is moving up the ranks so itunes the yes talk Subscribe, rate, review, five stars, and kind words, or hey, you know, whatever you feel. Uh, I hope you, if you didn't, if you missed last week's show, we had uh, go back and check out my interview with the official artist of WWE, Rob Schamberger. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure. He was actually in the studio. I got to talk to him right here in Studio H of the lovely Cumulus Radio, Kansas City, which is where we, uh, we as an I myself, in the show, this is where I record week after week. Uh, that's so why I record the Yes Talk right here in Studio H of the lovely Cumulus Radio, Kansas City. Uh, so I got to talk with him. Rob, He uh, he's a wonderful artist. He's at all the access. Uh, he's at all the, the conventions. Um, he actually... He talks about painting the last jet coat ever worn by the Ultimate Warrior on Raw after Mania. Uh, it's really great episode. If you, Again, Rob Schamberger. Check him out. His art is available at www.shop.com as well, and Rob Schamberger, so please check him out. And this week, hey, the interviews don't stop. This week, uh, I had I just got off the phone. It was an amazing interview, so fun to talk to. Uh, I it was I just got off the phone with the Patriot, Del Wilkes. Uh, who has wrestled all over the world. He was with WCW, WWF uh, in 1997. Some of you uh, he feuded with Bret Hart in WWF for a while, uh, and so we're gonna get to that a little bit later. He's got a documentary coming out uh, called "Dell the Patriot Wilkes The Man Behind the Mask." Uh, so we're gonna talk about that, uh, and it's a lot of fun. It's a great uh, so it a great show today. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Um, so as always, uh, I'm just gonna get right to it. Uh, rumor right now. Now, and this is from his the source and this is from Zig Ziglar Dolph Ziggler Dolph Ziggler is, is rumored that he may be leaving uh, He may be leaving WWE uh, When his contract is up in a few months, that's right Dolph Ziggler has expressed that he is currently unhappy with his position in WWE and is considering leaving the company when his contract is up in a few months I mean, look, it is pretty understandable why a person of his talent who has arguably been the most over guy on the roster on more than one occasion could be frustrated at this point. All right, Dolph Ziggler has never been crowned with the WWE title, and if it didn't happen after last year's Survivor Series, you do have to wonder if it's going to happen. Especially instead of putting the Intercontinental title on him, they put him in this feud or, with Rusev and this story with Lana, which essentially he's just stuck with until Rusev is healed. I don't know how long they planned on this lasting, but it's still going on, and it's not going to end until Rusev is healed. And personally, this is me personally, I'm tired of watching Dolph Ziggler make out with somebody else's real-life girlfriend. Who else is tired of watching Rusev watch Dolph Ziggler make out with his real-life girlfriend? I know he's acting upset every time they do it when he's watching the monitor, but I'm a guy. He's a guy. He's actually upset. I would think, I i don't know, maybe not. <laughs> I mean, I, he didn't tell me that. <laughs> um, but look, uh, if anybody uh, could have helped re-legitimize the Intercontinental Championship belt after Daniel Bryan had to lay down the strap due to injury, it was without a doubt Dolph Ziggler. And the fact that WWE chose to go with Ryback over the show-off speaks Volume on how Ziggler is perceived by management right now Uh, Dixie Carter president of TNA has gotten wind of the rumors and is actually prepared to offer Dolph Ziggler a significant contract to sign with uh, TNA, but um, What good is a number on a piece of paper if the checks aren't coming in? It's a known fact That the talent of TNA has not been receiving their money on time, if at all sometime. I mean, obviously they get paid, but three weeks late, two weeks late. I hear every podcast, every wrestler is complaining about the same thing. And it's to the point where some of the wrestlers have threatened to leave the company if they didn't receive their money. Or have actually left. AJ Styles recently turned down an opportunity to return to the company that he helped build. He received what was quoted as a significant contract offer from TNA as of late. Um, so uh, again, he's just turn. Um, you know, he's just saying. Oh, Oh, he's gonna turn down not getting paid. All right, cool. So, pro wrestling analyst Brian Alvarez stated on the Ross Report with Jim Ross that Jeff Hardy. Uh, th- this is a nice. I heard this and I want to share it with you because it really is. It really puts into perspective where TNA is right now. So again, uh, Brian, this is something Brian Alvarez uh, stated this on the Ross Report uh, that Jeff Hardy on any given indie show will draw. 2, 2,500 people up to, you know, but under TNA, the TNA brand, he's not even bringing in over 500 people because that's just where TN. So, can Dolph Ziggler do any better? And with Jeff Jarrett starting off Global Force Wrestling with the same structure and undersold minor league baseball stadiums that he was doing during the end of his run with TNA. I don't see Global Force Wrestling being a viable option for Dolph Ziggler either right now. If Dolph Ziggler does decide to leave WWE and continue pro wrestling, one would have to assume he would make his way to Lucha Underground or Ring of Honor while working Japan and the Mexico circuit as well, right? So, that is if he decides to stay in professional wrestling. If he leaves WWE, again, it's all an if. But, look, it's it's no secret that Dolph Ziggler has been cutting his teeth at stand-up comedy for some time now, right? And so, and with his looks, he could easily move to the on-screen work. So, I mean, he could. Why? I mean, he his name alone. I mean, he's been working on his comedy for a long time. I know he's been. He, even his Twitter says, uh, "I'm a stand-up comedy comedian and uh, something. What I wrestle to pay the bills or something like. That. It's what it says. So. Uh, he does do so that he could easily just say okay I'm done with this I'm going to go be a comic I'm just going to go do myself so what is the future for Dolph Ziggler in the WWE and in professional wrestling uh, well only time will tell yes nation uh, only time will tell again I want to thank you guys for listening at home to all the Kaufman guys and the Kaufman girls uh, do appreciate it alright so moving on um, look as of right now I I hope I might be the only one saying this but maybe not as of right now and i'm a big fan of his i was, I was a big fan of him uh, his in tna uh, you know any opportunity i've gotten to watch any uh, older matches i've watched a lot of older matches with him and i was excited when he came in and i still think that he could probably do some good and will be and will do what they want him to do but as of right now i'm not digging samoa joe in wwe all right. Did I lose you? Anybody still? All right. Like, what has he done so far? Right? Okay, look. Last Wednesday on the Wednesday Night Wrestling, a night where you have NXT, you have Ring of Honor, TNA, Lucha Underground, all on the same night. Okay? Kevin Owens, who is in a feud with John Cena, uh, maybe one of the biggest guys today, If all right, Owens... Currently in a feud with jo- and Samoa Joe. So last Wednesday, NXT Kevin Owens versus Samoa Joe was arguably, in my opinion, the fourth best match of last week's Wednesday night wrestling. I'd have to say Lucha Underground was the first with Johnny Mundo versus Ricochet. I'm sorry, Prince Puma was in a. That was the show. The whole show was one match, which you don't see a lot. You don't see it a lot. I know Daniel Bryan in the past has said that he wants to have a three-hour wrestling match, which would be incredible. Could you imagine if Monday Night Raw was a three-hour Daniel Bryan match? Would I mean, it would be better than what we saw this week i mean come on uh, so okay lucha underground ju- for what it was and the match was a lot of fun uh it, it was good wrestling it got into some hardcore uh i think they brought a crowbar into it they were like jumping off ra- rafters through table it was really it was fun it was a fun match all right uh lucha underground was a lot of uh, last week if you hadn't see the match go check it out go check out lucha underground last week johnny mundo versus prince puma um ring of honor wrestling they had their tag team match uh that ended ring of honor last week was incredible a couple Ring of Honor guys versus a couple New Japan. It was just incredible. Great. So much fun to watch. Uh, third, in my opinion, Cedric Alexander versus Moose had a lot. Uh, it was That was the third best match of last week's wrestling, in my opinion. It was uh, not – I mean, not only was it a good match, it was really – when they came out, when they announced Moose Moose's opponent, it was like, oh, wow, this is going to be good. Cedric ended the – undefeated streak of moose okay so cedric alexander versus uh moose third best last week owens versus joe on nxt in my opinion the main event of nxt was the fourth best match of the week so uh is samoa joe going it's like, i just didn't feel like like was like maybe it was it was an audition for the fans uh and they definitely it was more of a spectacle when it first started maybe like okay this is joe this is what he's gonna do, and he's doing it. And now we're watching. And like it's this kind of thing, the more it went, the more the better the moves got, the more hype they got. But and so that could increase in time. But is Samoa Joe going to do for WWE what they were hoping? Two matches in, he's had a dark match, and he's had a main event of NXT. Now, so far in those two matches, uh, Tyson Kidd is on the shelf for 14 months from his dark match with Samoa Joe before Raw for a few months with a neck injury and th- he had a fair performance. Okay, so one fair performance and one uh, injury, okay? And I- I'm not saying it's Samoa Joe's fault. I'm not saying it's Samoa Joe's fault. I'm not. But I am saying he's had two matches with one fair performance and one ending uh, putting Tyson Kidd on the shelf for 14 months. Okay, so to me, so far... Samoa Joe is not doing what WWE needs him to do. I don't know if they needed more rehearsal time, if it was a last minute decision, or if there just wasn't enough preparation, if Kid took the. I don't know, okay? I'm just saying two matches in, Kid's on the shelf for over a year. He's going to miss WrestleMania. He's going to miss 14 months and have one fair performance against Kevin Owens, okay? So this match with Samoa Joe took Kevin Owens who is being it was like the highlight of the main roster almost right now. A lot of people are saying that Cena Kevin Owens feud is the best feud going in not only professional but not only WWE but professional wrestling. So so to take Kevin Owens and then to have him be what, like a fourth best performance and a fourth best match of the night. I don't know. I don't know if it's again if the uh, if the fans are like okay uh, we know J- now we're gonna watch him we're just gonna have to get used to him wrestling here I don't I don't know I know people love him I'm a big fan of him I just wondering how he's going to play out because he's had his career many years many years. Um, They also need to change Samoa Joe's music. What happened? They're going to ask him. They're going to ask him to start dancing soon. Or are they going to change the music? It's one of the two, I think. All right. So, but yeah, so Tyson Kidd's on the shelf. Let's look. WWE's hurting with injuries right now. Yes, Nation. They're hurting. All right. Like Tyson Kidd, 14 months. Eric Rowan got injured this weekend at a live event. At Friday night in Saginaw, and then uh, he still wrestled Saturday, but no, he's out. He's out. I think, believe it's an arm. Bailey from NXT, she's walking around the live shows with a cast on. Sami Zayn's out till at least next year with his shoulder. Rusev's on the shelf. Jamie Noble broke three ribs last night. Daniel Bryan's out. All right, so you look at this list, Tyson Kidd, Eric Rowland, Bailey, Sami Zayn, Rusev, who, okay, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens took his place. You have to assume Kevin Owens took his spot, That I mean, right? He got injured all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden Kevin Owens is coming up. And Sami Zayn had that. This should be his feud, you would think. So... Uh, so, okay, Tyson, Kidd, Eric Rowan, Bailey, Sami Zayn, Rusev, Jamie Noble now. Now it's just going to be Jay Security. I don't know if they're going to have Jamie running around with three broken ribs for a while. But And Daniel Bryan, who is like the top guy of the company, the most over guy in the company. So you look at this list and you go, no wonder Raw was so bad last night. It was job fed. It was so many jobbers last night. It was the mad- so bad. So, in my opinion, I will get to the raw Cappuccino in a little bit. But when you look at this list of injuries, you go, okay, now I understand. And it's hurting them. To, I mean, you kids out for over a year. Who knows how they're Eric Rowan. They're trying to bring back the Wyatt family. They just put him back with Luke Harper. I feel like they're trying to build the Wyatt fan, And now he's gone. Uh, Bailey, man, she'll never stop selling I'm a hugger shirt. She'll, those shirts will sell forever. Sami Zayn got out for next year. Who knows how long Rusev is out on his foot. Daniel Bryan, who knows if ever if he's coming back. Um, oh, God. So uh, I did mention the, be- the ROH, the best in the world pay-per-view. If you guys didn't see it, you need to watch it. That was one of the best open-to-close pay-per-views I've seen in a long time. There was no Rusev or Ryback versus Big Show. It was just It was awesome it was an incredible from open to close very very entertaining very very exciting okay and i think uh wwe can actually learn a little bit at least the wrestlers of wwe right now can learn a little bit uh from the main event which was jay lethal uh versus uh uh jay briscoe right um And it was great. Um, And not only the main event, just the whole thing, but the way the main event goes, there was tons of close two counts in this main event. Tons of close two counts in this main event. Uh, And it wasn't from repeating their finishing moves over and over and over again. Okay? There were two lethal injections by Jay Lethal at the towards the end, really close to each other, and the second winning the match. All right, a lot we get a lot of the and a lot of people are talking about it in WWE. People are using their finishing moves and it's like every match now so they're using all their finishing moves and just having everybody kick ah he kicked out of the finish oh he kicked out of the finishing move oh he kicked out of the finishing move again instead of just laying the same finishing move and turning it into just another move why don't you do other moves why don't you do moves that you aren't gonna end the match with the rko Right. Randy Orton, I still feel might right now. I think Randy Orton could possibly have one of the strongest finishers in WWE. With the RKO, when I still feel when Randy Orton drops the RKO, for the most part, that match is over. And it's exciting when he drops it, isn't it? I can't wait for RKO's one of the best. I loved uh, his thought at the money in the bank. All the RKOs off. The, he's it's. I love the RKOs. I, um, Sister Abigail still a strong one. When Bray Wyatt drops Sister Abigail, the match is over. Um, I'm not a big fan of Roman Reigns doing the the spear. I'm a big fan of the Superman punch. I think he should reverse that. A lot of people. Use the spear as their finisher. I think he should take it a step further. I think he should spear them, let them get up, and then come in for the Superman punch, because it—I it, it think it'll add a lot to it. And how many people have we seen close on the spear? Spear, spear, spear. We've heard a lot, a lot. So I—I I would like to see him use it as a setup. To be honest with you, um. But his finisher is again, it's good. It's he's doing I liked the curb stomp. I'm missing the curb stomp. You have to assume we're gonna see the curb stomp come back for Brock Lesnar. I would I mean you would you would think anyways, right? So yeah, um ROH the the best in the world. It was really fun, great. Great matches. Uh, I'm actually talking to one of the ROH guys right now about just setting up scheduling. So I'm really excited. Uh, so we're going to have a current ROH roster, uh, member of the roster here. Uh, hopefully for you next week. It depends on what we can get worked out. But at least in the next few weeks, I, I promise we're going to have uh, a, 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 an active member of the Ring of Honor roster right here on the Yes Talk. Uh, I will wait to, to tell the news until we lock in until it's recorded. until i lock in the date so uh wwe is actually uh rumored to be eyeing three uh top ring of honor talents um right now i mean they just got turned down by jay by the briscoe brothers mark and jay briscoe um who until last friday was jay was the champion of roh so they were uh, it's learned that the WW, the company is very interested in Ring of Honor stars Moose, Adam Cole, and Jay Lethal, who is now th- the ROH champion. Even though J- Lethal just became ROH champion, um, his contract is close to a- expiring um, uh, with no future deal on the table right now. Uh, Moose just announced he signed a new deal with Ring of Honor and turned down offers from both WWE and Global Force Wrestling. So Moose is really happy with where he's at in Ring of Honor right now. I would be too. If I was in Ring of Honor, I wouldn't know if I'd want to go anywhere else. Especially for uh I mean I mean Ring of Honor, I think they're in a good spot. They got a lot of heat right now. And and they took that heat and they they made They made it work, man. They got a lot of press when they were announced that they were going to Destination America. It wasn't like a lot of advertisement. It's just suddenly news dropped. Hey, next Wednesday, Ring of Honor is going to be before Impact. Right now, they're getting about 100,000 views to Impact's 200,000. But in my opinion, in another couple months, that's going to be balanced. If not, you're going to see maybe even Ring of Honor go above that. I know I've turned people on to it, just saying, oh, my God, I'm so happy Ring of Honor is on TV in Kansas City now. I, this is so much fun to be able to sit down and watch it every week. It's such because they OK, they're on. OK, so they're, they announced next week, Wednesday, and then people watch it. And then I don't I haven't heard one person complain. I have not heard one wrestling fan complain about Ring of Honor's new spot on TNA. If anything, it's making me go, TNA, what are you doing? Three weeks in a row, you have followed Ring of Honor with a 15-minute Kurt Angle EC3 promo, which is not the way to follow an hour of nonstop in-ring action. It's just not. Um, uh, so with regards to WWE, uh, the company wanted to bring in Moose as a contestant on Tough Enough as a male ringer on the show. Uh the the WWE didn't guarantee Moose that he would be offered a contract even if he didn't win Tough Enough. Um, but they said that it possibly existed. All right, let's talk about that for a second. All right, so w, I want you to hear this again. WWE offered Moose a spot on Tough Enough. Okay? But then they wouldn't guarantee even if he lost. All right, so I just want to go back to the first. I want you to think about uh the thousands and the thousands of uh video submissions wwe got for tough enough all the open auditions all the video submissions all right and then you're reading moose is offered a spot as a contestant I'm tough enough. I want to talk about the show Last Comic Standing for a second. I can, I can, this will help me identify for, uh, this to you for what I'm trying to say. The show Last Comic Standing says that, hey, come on out. We'll give you a minute to wow our judges, and maybe you'll make it on the show. All right? Hey, and sometimes it works. So, but what, this is what you get a lot of. You get thousands and thousands, or hundreds, hundreds, you get hundreds of people showing up. Uh, in line they stand outside the comedy club they're there all night or they show up first thing in the morning uh the cameras show up the they're recording everybody standing in line they go in and they record your audition and they record you leaving there and then but here's what they don't show you uh while you're standing in line you get taxi cabs and limos dropping off talent who has pre-existing auditions and pretty much almost locked in spots for the show. So these lines of people who spent the night, who drove for hours, who are hoping to get there one minute, all these people are for the cameras. That's it. They're for the cameras. Nothing else. Okay, now occasionally, Nikki Glaser, I know being an exception to this, Nikki Glaser stood in that line, there are exceptions, Nikki Glaser, a few years back, stood in that line up in Chicago, I know, because we all rode in a bus, I was in that van, we went in a van, we went with her, I stood, so I was there, I saw it, stood in line, went up, wowed him, went to Vegas, has worked so hard to take that opportunity from standing in line of hundreds of people to end up on The Tonight Show, doing comedy, to having a show on MTV. She's done wonderful with her career, and that started, comedian Nikki Glaser, that started from standing in line with hundreds of people. So it does work, but the majority, the 99% is for the TV. So when I hear that WWE is offering moose, who just has been undefeated in Ring of Honor until recent? That a spot on Tough Enough? Ah, uh, it doesn't. It just it's for the cameras. All the all the submissions. Like, they're tough. They're fun. It's for the cameras. I don't. I don't know how many of those people. I'm, I'm sure, the, of course, not all of them, but a lot of those people. Okay, it's for the cameras. All right. So Moose actually had the following to say. This is his quote. This is what Moose said in regards to a possible future with WWE. He said, I've had tryouts with WWE, actually more than one, but I've had tryouts with them. And it was just one of those things where I felt or I just felt comfortable with where I was at. I'm not saying that WWE is not somewhere uh, I wouldn't want to work at some point in my career because it is. Every wrestler in the world would tell you that that WWE is somewhere they would want want to work at, at some point in their career. But I felt comfortable staying where I was currently at. Uh, He said, again, I'm not not saying they even offered anything. I'm just saying that it's just one of those things where I looked at what I had in front of me and where I wanted to go. I felt that right now that staying with Ring of Honor was the best choice for me. He said, again, like I said, not that WWE ever offered me anything because they didn't with what I had in front of me and the choices and the options available to me. Staying in Ring of Honor was the best possible choice. Uh, and Jay Lethal, uh, and Jay Lethal scares, me. He scares me. Jay Lethal in WWE scares me. I love Jay Lethal. But he scares me because he is really talented, and I fear how he would be used in WWE. He's currently the Ring of Honor TV champion and the Ring of Honor heavyweight champion. What would he do in WWE? Job some ladder matches? I mean, Lethal and Xavier Woods used to be a tag team together in TNA. They were the, I remember, uh, Xavier Woods was pushing some Apollo Creed esque character. While Jay Lethal was doing black machismo, which is like the black macho man, right? It was hilarious. It was hilarious. And then Jay started impersonating other, like, Ric Flair's and stuff. And he just grew a fan base. But then he got out of that. Um, So maybe they'd put Xavier Woods and Jay Lethal back together. Maybe they put Jay Lethal in uh, New Day. Maybe they'd build that if they didn't put him through NXT first. Which, I mean, you, God, they put everybody through NXT first. I don't, just Jay Lethal, I love, he's so talented. He's got so much character and personality. He's talented. He's so dedicated. Uh, I mean, even after the match, people started, when he won, when he won his match, and this is what I love about Ring of Honor. It really is just like, they love everybody. He, face or heel, people applaud for good spots. People applaud for good wrestling. It doesn't matter who does it, how they portray the characters. People applaud for good wrestling. Jay Lethal's part of um, the, the truth right now. He's with the truth. So, uh, and even through that, e- even through that, people, when he won and was holding both titles, the audience was like, you deserve it. Clap, 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 you, and, and so, I mean, how awesome, and he does, he does deserve it, and if, I'm, look, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't want to see him in WWE, but I really like watching him in Ring of Honor, and I think he's, I, it just scares me of what would happen or not happen with him uh, over time. Um, Hulk Hogan came out, said he supports Kevin Owens, right, um, I like Kevin Owens, right? Kevin Owens, here's what's funny about this, is Kevin Owens is doing the exact same thing on the main roster that he was doing in NXT, and it's working. He's just coming out. He's bullying everybody he can find. He's not taking no for an answer. He's plowing through, at least, I mean, he's and so, uh, and he's going right for the belt. He's doing the exact same thing on the main roster he did on NXT. He's the same character. He's the same person. He just walked right out the cart, and he's like, this is what you see is what but. How, will that translate with uh, how many guys in NXT is that going to work with? I mean, I know that's where they go to figure it out. But, like, will Enzo? I know people want to see the Enzo and Cass on the main roster, that tag team. But is that going to work? Is soft going to work? Is that going to go over? I would, I, you know, if they'll chant feed me more, after for right, then you have to think they'll just, then these guys will just be a hit right now with their soft. Enzo and Cass. Um so yeah, Kevin Owens, it's just, and it's great. So Owens is coming out doing the same thing, uh, and that's what really shows about th- that character is the diversity, that it doesn't matter where he's at, this is him, and it's going to go over no matter where he's at. Uh, so yeah, H- Hulk Hogan actually had some really cool things to say about Kevin Owens uh, right now. Uh, he said, "This, this, I mean, this is what Hulk Hogan said uh, in quotes about Kevin Owens right now, Hulk Hogan's words. Hulk Hogan said, Kevin actually reminds me, brother. No, alright. He said, Kevin Owen actually reminds me of one of the older wrestlers of the late 70s. Some of the guys that didn't have the build, but they would scare you if you met them at a bar. What hooked me about him was that I was watching a match on uh, a match of his on NXT because Hulk Hogan has the network that for $9.99 and uh You think legends get it for free? I don't know. All right. So Hulk Hogan said he was watching a match of Kevin Owens on NXT, and he said, I found myself uh, disassociated with being in the moment. He said, all of a sudden I started watching him and he made me believe again. Uh, I I watched real close and there were no holes in his boat. His punches, his kicks, everything he did looked like, Looked like it was killing the guy, which it probably was He caught me with my guard down and he made me a believer again. He hooked me He's got that look man the demeanor and that swagger That's from Hulk Hogan about Kevin Owens now to me that is Is so much more than Hogan coming out with a panel of Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels and saying "Hello, Cena." That's like when they publicly bring him out to like push Cena, which I know he's a support. But this, I mean, that is like to make him a believer. I mean, that's a uh, that would I would put that on my wall. I would that would be framed in my restroom and right in front of the toilet. So every morning, I could just look at that and read what Hulk Hogan said about me on that day, and that would make every day for the rest of my life. All right. Uh, Are we done with the U.S. Open Challenge? Is that, I guess, you know what? We're at the Raw Recappuccino, so we'll just, we'll do that. So ladies and gentlemen, this is time for the Raw Recappuccino. Uh, We take the hottest, most bubbly, and caffeinated points of Monday Night Raw. And that's the Raw Recappuccino. So this week, all right, that was the Raw Recappuccino because there was nothing to talk about. No, all right. I right, there was I right, there is. We're gonna do it, but my God, it was a rough week for Raw. It was a rough I remember just sitting there watching, going, God, there are so many jobs. This is such this is bad. This is bad. Um uh Brock opening uh to me with a pretty worthless piece and that just led nowhere i mean he comes out the cayman says he has to apologize uh to continue so he shakes jbl's hand he gave michael cole a noogie um Brock Heyman, I'm sorry Paul Heyman said Brock <laughs> Brock Heyman uh, <laughs> Paul Heyman said Brock Lesnar a few times and they left that was it. He shook JBL's hand He gave Michael Cole a noogie. Heyman said Brock Lesnar and they left That was the opening promos what 15 17 minutes to, sh- to say to shake a hand give a noogie say Brock Lesnar and leave What an easy job, Brock Lesnar had. Hey, come out, stand there, do nothing, leave. Here's two million dollars. We'll see you next week. Um, But no, Brock actually did come back. Brock got his ass whipped this week. Whoa. Uh, All right. So they left. All right. And then we had uh, Dean Ambrose versus Kane. For some reason, is there? Is there really nobody better to have this match with, uh, than with, with Ambrose than Kane? I mean, is what Seth Rollins came out with a distraction, uh, which in the end was enough for Dean Ambrose to get caught in a choke slam off the top rope from Kane and lose. But I have to add, it was a really weak choke slam. Okay, it, Kane, that was a really weak choke slam. Kane seemed off to me Monday. He just seemed a step behind his usual game. And you can sit there and say Kane is old, yada yada, but he's a good worker. He can still sell in the ring. But he seemed a bit off to me. All right. So after the match, Seth goes to Kane trying to get the band back together. Um And it was a backstage vignette, uh, which could have happened without the Dean Ambrose match. I love, all right? Like, don't get me wrong. I love watching Dean Ambrose. But why Kane? And what was the point of the match? I mean that's my only problem. I guess they wanted to have Seth Rollins in a position where he was actively trying to make amends with Kane, but again, that could have happened without the match. If the only point to that match was to have Seth try to help Kane, then there was no point to that match because it could have been done as a backstage vignette. All right. So I um so two matches in we two matches all right, then we get the tag team champions, all right? So two matches in uh one opening promo and we've seen two matches one opening promo of a 3 hour show we've seen Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman we saw the WWE World Heavyweight Champion twice saving Kane and in a backstage vignette and and we saw the tag team champions a 3 hour show y- 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 and you you open with your number 1 contender the champion and the tag team champions man you open with that you better have an incredible next 2 hours all right which they, okay so after that uh more stuff happened and then uh barrett they it was r- such a bad night. Uh, Barrett versus Zach Ryder. Oh, man. Okay. Um, then Cena came back. Barrett. Ver- That's enough. We can talk. We don't have to continue with that, right? Barrett versus Zack. Ry- okay, good. Uh, it happened. Cena came back. Uh, okay, so are we done? Now we'll bring it up. Are we done with the U.S. Open Challenge? It seemed like we kind of finished it as soon as Kevin Owens came out. I still want to see those. Is it just not believable? Is that why it is? It's not believable right now because the match is going to happen with Kevin Owens. So obviously nobody's going to take it. So why even have the match? I don't know. I, I'd like to see those. I would. I, I don't think you should stop them. Um, I guess, yeah, take the break. Is And Kevin Owens, you know, he said, I'm not going to give opportunities to people for the NXT title. I'm going to make you earn your opportunity. So... That does make me wonder if Kevin Owens will continue the U.S. Open Challenge if he gets the belt from Cena at Battleground. It does make me wonder that. Uh, I really hope he does. I want to see those continue. That U.S. Open Challenge, I want to see that continue. Um, You had, uh, and they were great promos. They were great on both of them. Uh, You had uh, Kevin Owens like, uh, hey, I'll give you an opportunity. I'm going to speak I'm going to speak uh, French Canadian, and then Cena's like, "So am I," and uh, Japanese, and the uh, and whatever. It's just a great promo. Those two really complement each other. I it, I just can't get enough. of it. They're so much fun. Again, so we got three coming up they did announce i mean i said it last week i guess they hadn't officially announced it and then i said on the show last week i'm like we're gonna see Cena owens 3 at battleground but i guess they hadn't officially announced it and then people started saying that it's gonna happen at summerslam and i'm like wait a minute what how could you say summerslam i said it and then this week they're like it's battleground i'm like of course it's battleground i said it last week it's not news I, i so uh that that's Cena Owens one, two, and Cena Owens three within six weeks of each other. Six weeks for those three matches. Is that rushed? Should they have taken their time with it? I'm loving the matches. I'm loving it. It. Is, I mean, I don't, again, I just hope because it's going really fast, it's gonna burn, it's gonna be over. It's going to be over quick. We don't need five of these matches to continue. We might get four. There's a good chance if Kevin Owens wins, we're going to get four. All right, because Cena's going to want his rematch, which could happen on Raw the next night. You know, it could happen on Raw. Maybe with the, uh, Kevin Owens, if he continues the U.S. Open Challenge, maybe it's answered by Cena the next night. So that could happen. We could have Cena Owens 1, 2, and one, two, 3, and 4 all within six weeks of each other. Okay, you could have 22 of them in, a mu- in, in, like, two months, whatever. It's a lot. It's a lot of matches in a short amount of time. This is going to run its course, and it's going to run its course quickly. So what... Is WWE going to do and what are their plans for Kevin Owens after Cena? They need to know that. They need to know that now. They can't just wait and see and wing it and see who's held. They need to know what's going to happen with Kevin Owens after Battleground. At Battleground. Six weeks after Battleground, what is Kevin Owens going to be doing? Three months, maybe, after Battleground. What is Kevin Owens going to be doing? If not for the next nine months, is, is he booked through WrestleMania? Do you know what he's going to be doing? And, and it's granted, it is hard. With the amount of injuries that are happening right now, It's I gotta say, it's probably pretty hard to write these long-term stories because they keep changing. And I get that. I get that. Maybe he'll jump in a feud with, uh, with Ziggler and lose. And, uh, I mean, Ziggler will lose and then leave. So, uh, Bella's versus Naomi. Are we really, do we have to really go from Cena and Owens to the Bellas? Um, the Bellas versus Naomi and Tamina. Naomi accidentally, uh, uh, asked to face Tamina. Uh, she accidentally gave Tamina the ass to mouth and got pinned by John Sheena. I'm sorry. Um, by Nikki Bella, John Sheena, hashtag John Sheena. Nikki, so Naomi, Naomi accidentally gave Tamina the the tushy to tonsils and got pinned by John Sheena. I mean, Nikki Bell. Okay. Then we had uh, Ryback versus Mark Henry. This is the problem, man. This is this is the problem. You, Bruce, all right, let's go back to this list for a second. Can we go back to this list for a second? Okay, this injured list. Uh, Tyson Kidd, Eric Rowan, uh, Sami Zayn, who would have been in Kevin's. Um, okay, let's take that off. Let's look at the ones that would be affecting Raw. Uh, Daniel Bryan, uh, Rusev, Eric Rowan, and Tyson Kidd. Those are, okay. So then you're like, okay, Rusev, Daniel Bryan, uh, Tyson Kidd, Eric Rowan, maybe Sami Zayn if he wasn't injured. Okay. And then you go, and you come back to Raw and you go, okay, you have uh, Barrett against Zack Ryder casually. All right, you have Ryback versus Mark Henry, casually. You have Ziggler versus Adam Rose, casually. Oh, uh, Big Show attacked Ryback backstage after the match. Uh. I want to say this about Ryback, okay? I was not a big fan of the match. I'm not a big fan of this feud. And I'm not a fan of him with the Intercontinental title right now. I'm just not. I'm just not. There are so many other people who could have built this title better than Ryback. Usually, the man should make a title. And right now, they're trying to have the title make the man. And I don't think that's the way to do it, okay? Um, But, and I've never, I've expressed how I feel about Ryback several times. On this show. And so what I'm about to say. Might surprise some of you. Because it sure surprised me. But two weeks in a row. Ryback has really stepped up his promos. His backstage interviews. Two weeks in a row. He has delivered. Honest to goodness. Promos. Backstage. Backstage. Not full of one-liners, not full of catchphrases, just honest, well-spoken promos. This week's was good. He said, what did he say about his uh, his title defense? That his parents hadn't talked in like, what, 12 years, 15 years or something? And they came together, or they hadn't been together in the same or something, and they came together to watch him win that title. That was a great story. That was short. It wasn't long-winded. It was just part of it, but it was very humanizing. I, I, I. thank you, Ryback. Thank you. Uh, Keep this up. What you've been doing for the past couple weeks with the promos, please continue them. OK, because it's working. I have been a hater for a since you since your debut. I'll be on since right back debuted. It, I've been like, this is ridiculous. The Rob Van Goldberg, Rob, <laughs> the, the 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 feed me more. WWE didn't do him any favors by putting him in those title hunt. So early on with CM Punk because, and the Shield and mixing him up with Punk and the, because they just put him in these spots that he wasn't going to win. So they kept putting him in the title race, in title matches, even main eventing uh, in these title matches that he wasn't winning. And it was continuous, which is why I think it's important that they don't do that to Roman Reigns. We can look at history, recent history, and see what it did to Ryback. He spiraled down really hard. He was really struggling to find solid ground again. I know there was probably a lot of confidence issue with the character. Um, he tried to do the bully thing for a while. I think he tried Heyman for a week. Uh, he teamed up with Curtis Axel for a while, with Rybaxel. Uh And even when he came back, I don't think it was maybe it was an initial pop he came back as this over face but after his uh hernia was it a hernia uh so he came back from that and uh and they tried to push him and it wasn't until a couple of weeks ago with these recent promos and i saw a new side of him i'll be honest he's had a couple backstage promos that i've just really sold me so r- c- c- drop All right, the feed me more, whatever, it's working, people chant it, you're probably selling some merch, great, congratulations, stop it. Stop doing it in every promo. Quit making every promo a a food, an analogy. Okay, we get it. You're hungry. We get it. You want to eat. We get it. Ryback likes to eat. We get it. Stop it. Stop talking about it. Say something else. What I've seen the past couple weeks Shows me that there actually could be more to this character. Let's talk from the heart a little bit. If that's what you were really doing, keep doing it. Because it's working. Be a human. Don't be a robot. Stop being a robot, Ryback. And stop the feeding time thing. It's feeding time. It's ridiculous. Okay. I mean, look, CM Punk had the, it's clobbering time. You're saying it's, it's just, it's not original. Stop it. Stop doing the, it's feeding time when you come out. Okay. Just don't do it. Don't stop. But no. Yeah. But I really stop it. It's, it's silly. I also think Seamus needs to stop saying fella when he comes out as a heel. He fella like great as a face, not as a heel. As a heel, come out. You can lift your arms like you do. Cool. Don't yell fella because nobody's yelling it with you. You're not. That's pandering. When you yell fella, that's pandering. Heels don't pander. Seamus, heels don't pander for applause. Yelling fella is pandering for applause, in my opinion. That's like going, what's up, Kansas City, while you're in Kansas City. Just don't do it. Don't do it. Uh so yeah, Ziggler versus Adam Rose. Ziggler's making out with Rusev's real life girlfriend again. Uh I mean just Jobber night on Raw, man. Um <sighs> and then Seth Rollins, uh his apology. He apologizes. He apologizes profusely to uh J and J. Uh and hey hey man uh uh J- Jamie Noble Get those ribs healed, man. Jamie Noble, I think, is actually hurt. Uh, so he apologized to uh, the authority. He gets him back. He, uh, and then He's in the middle of apologizing. Brock Lesnar comes out, gets on the ring. J and J start manning up, taking off their coats, unbuttoning some buttons. They look like they're about to go. And then them and Kane bail. And Seth Rollins is lay- just there the- by themselves. And then, so, they just bail. They leave him. Brock Lesnar jumps up, and then out of nowhere, they come back and take Lesnar from behind. Lesnar lays out Kane. He tosses J&J security. He tosses Joey Mercury. He tosses Jamie Noble. And then, you see Kane and Joey Mercury continue to come in and help seth rollins fight uh lesnar which was not easy and it didn't work at first but then you know i really i noticed at a point i noticed that uh i noticed um Jamie, i noticed jamie noble wasn't there and he wasn't on camera and i went i remember i said to the missus i'm like where's jamie noble what happened to the other jay we had two skinny jays. Now we just have one. Whereas, and then I read that he was hurt later. So, and it really makes it sounds like it's not kayfabe because if it was a kayfabe injury, they would have shown it on camera. But he wasn't on camera. They was carrying carried off on a stretcher. I'm probably. I want to go back. I got it on the DVR still. I want to go back and I want to see how Toss Lesnar top. <laughs> <laughs> toss Lesnar. I'm sorry. It's been a lot. I've been in the studio for a while. I had a good 45-minute conversation with the Patriot, which is coming up right after this. Uh, so, Toss Lesnar. That's Suplex City, bitch. Um, so, Brock. I want to see how Brock Lesnar tossed Noble again. I want to see how it happened. It's on my DVR. I'm going to go back. I'm going to watch it. But then Kane, uh, Joey Mercury, and Rollins just beat the crap out. They laid him out. Lesnar... I mean, it's weird to see him lay down like that. I mean, because we've seen him take out the authority, all of them, all of them, at the same time, time and time again. Uh, It's Brock Lesnar. Does he? People are saying that Seth Rollins is. What they're doing with him on Raw right now is hurting his character. Having him grovel and beg and walk. With, no, he's just really playing that heel part. But I will say, like last, I feel like last time we saw Brock Lesnar, uh, there was no backing down from Seth Rollins. He was in his face. Brock Lesnar went to suplex him to give him a belly to back suplex. Seth Rollins flipped and landed on his feet. And then came back with some crazy high kick to his head. I mean, look, he. I this match is going to be great. I would like to see Seth Rollins approaching this with an amount of confidence, but maybe some of that does happen with, by him being with the Authority. Whatever it takes, I don't care. I want to see Seth Rollins approach Brock Lesnar. With a little bit of confidence. But, hey, it's Brock Lesnar. I get it. It's Brock Lesnar. But it was a far stretch from what we saw last time. Lesnar and uh, uh, Seth Rollins were in the ring together. It, last time, again, and Seth Rollins is landing on his feet, doing kicks, wowing the audience. People are losing their mind. And then he casually says, I'll give you your title shot, but not right now, and walks away. That's what happened. That was it. And then... But there was confidence behind it. Now it's we're not seeing that confidence anymore. Um, so I like the new Brock Lesnar shirts. Those are cool. One for every city. They're, Raw is going to be in Kansas City soon, so I might have to get me one of them. Suplex City, Kansas City. Um uh, All right. Well, uh, this is the first time in weeks, maybe like a month and a half. This is the first time I think in a month and a half that I didn't have to do predictions or a review because we've had something every two weeks for a long time, every two weeks. So that means every week for like, like what the past two months we've been doing predictions and breakdowns, and then we've been doing reviews and post shows. So this is the first week where we don't have that. We can say we have Battleground coming up. That's exciting. That's looking really good. Um, We have Bray Wyatt uh, and Roman Reigns. Which, that's a fun story. They're involving Roman Reigns' daughter. And I don't, okay, I think that's, maybe it's a humanizing thing to do for Roman Reigns. Maybe it's a good way to get the audience to connect with him. But I feel like they're just, and look, I said this uh, like at least a few months ago. When I had a gimmick change of the week that involved Roman Reigns, and I said, and this is like weeks, probably eight, maybe seven weeks ago, right? Eight weeks, maybe. I said the Family Man would have been a good approach for Roman Reigns. They're not. I mean, right now he's stuck between what he like. He's still kind of Shield. He's somewhere between what WWE wants him. Like wanted him to be in the shield and between where he wants to be as himself Um, When the shield broke up Dean Ambrose Seth Rollins, they had many years in the ring They knew who their in-ring character was okay. They knew who they were in the ring So when the shield broke up, they went back to being themselves and they knew exactly where to go. But when The Shield broke up, Roman Reigns, well, he's still coming out to The Shield music. He's still walking out like The Shield. He's still dressing like The Shield. And he's still doing it. He is still doing it. He really is. He needs to tweak some things. He needs some new music. He needs to maybe just lose the vest. I don't know. Uh he he needs a few things. Maybe he needs to join the authority. Maybe he needs to join the authority, put on a suit, stop with the shit. Like, he looks like the big boss man. All right? He's dressing like the big boss man. All right? This is somebody they want to push all the way to the top of the company, and he dresses like the big boss man. So uh so okay and i said a long time ago why not this is eight weeks ago i said they a family man would be a good thing for him have him be the family man that he said he is he comes out he says i'm a family man i'm doing this for the money i'm doing this for my family but the problem with that is that's what kevin owens is kevin owens was doing that since he walked in the door at NXT and continued doing it on the main roster. Kevin Owens, I fight for my family. I'm a prize fighter. I'm here for the title. I'm here to win. I'm here to pay bills. I'm here to support my family and make my family proud. I'm a family, 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 family man. Family, family. That's from the beginning. Kevin Owens is a rude, crude family man who doesn't care what he does. Because you're not his, fa- so Roman Reigns now they Wyatt pulls out a picture of his daughter, and now they suddenly Roman Reigns is the family man, uh, and it's a, it's a little enticing. I, I get it. Okay, it draws me in a little bit. It's like okay, wow, that's he, he's playing. I'm a father. I have a, you know I got a 14 month old kid. Like I get it. All right, somebody pulls out a picture of you. It's war. That is war. But is there no better? I mean, maybe that is the best way. Maybe it's not. What What do you think? Tell me what you think uh, uh, about, is this a good angle? Is the Wyatt... Angle with Roman Reigns. Is this good? Is this a good way to do it Uh, again? Again, I think Roman Reigns helps. This is a good feud. It keeps Roman Wayne's Roman Reigns away from the title and it puts Bray Wyatt closer to the title And this does a lot. This feud really does a lot of good. It does. It does a lot of good We're hearing Bray Wyatt talk about the title for the first time ever ever so And like we said with Ryback, this keeps Roman Reigns out of a losing situation, at least with the heavyweight title. It's okay to lose, but don't, we don't want to see the same guy. You can't push somebody to the top by putting them in the main event and have them lose every pay-per-view. And have them lose to the, week after week after month after month. So it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. People will lose interest. They'll lose faith. They'll lose faith. So let me know at the Yes Talk. Tweet at me. Let me know what you think about the Roman Reigns, Bray Wyatt. Let me know what you think about anything. Uh, I got the Patriot. We got a great interview. Again, uh, it's coming up right now. Um, So please, again, 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 tweet at the Yes Talk. Follow at the Yes Talk. And what helps the show more than anything is go to iTunes. All right, go to iTunes, just the Yes Talk, subscribe, rate, review. I'd love to say five stars and kind words, but hey, whatever you just, hey, please go subscribe, rate, and review the show. It means so much to me. It helps the show so much. Please, please help me. That's it. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. Please just go to iTunes at the Yes Talk, subscribe, rate, review. uh, all right. So coming up, this is it. I, I just had a great interview with uh, the Patriot Del Wilkes uh, from WWF, All Japan, WCW, uh, AWA. He worked with Vern Gagne. He worked, uh, he, a few, with Brett. He's worked with the best. He's toured with the best. He's worked with the best. Uh, he lived a really, really, I mean, man, the, live, the guy lived a full life. Uh he and he plowed he plowed through life, you know. So and he talks about it, and they talk about and he's gonna tell us about his career. We start all the way, we go through his whole career, it's a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was it was so cool talking to this guy. It was for me, it was so cool talking to this guy. Uh, go back last week if you missed it. while listening to my interview with Rob Schamberger, the official artist of WWE. So, uh, thank you guys so much. Enjoy my interview. Um, so this is it. We it just kind of started the interview it just kind of started uh there's not a lot of inch, so we're just going to go to it uh it just kind of started in, in a conversation uh conversationally i i just kind of hit record because we kind of just started talking so i was like all right so uh it's, there's nothing crazy or you know like like oh you gotta hear what he said it was just it, you know i think we were talking about father's day we started he was talking about father's day i hit record and that's where it's gonna start um so thank you guys. Uh and so please enjoy. Um we'll be I'll be back to say goodnight when, when we're done. So please enjoy. This is uh Dell uh the Patriot Wilkes everybody. The, the Patriot. Enjoy. Thank you.
1: we had a good time.
0: That's nice. So uh you how uh do you have a do you have a good Father's Day? We just had Father's Day.
1: Oh yeah, I had a great Father's Day it was with my uh Youngest son and my daughter, and uh, had a great time. Went to see my mom and my sister, and had a great day.
0: How old's your youngest?
1: My youngest is eighteen. He's a boy. My daughter is nineteen, and then I've got a son twenty-nine.
0: My youngest is fourteen months. He's also my oldest. Oh, ah, it's your only. <laughs> <laughs> we have another one on the way. I guess my young youngest is like negative four or five months. I don't There you go. <laughs> it's weird it's weird they spend 9 months growing just to end up being zero. I know. <laughs> that's right. He's 9 months. Well, he's 18 months technically, I guess. Um Yeah, that, that's true. All right. So uh okay, so you uh you your oldest is uh your youngest is 18. Um so you were uh I read is this you were uh give me one second get these up. You were actually uh your birthday is December 21st, is that right? Okay. That's correct. Okay, so did that growing up interfere? Did you have like weird birthday Christmas? No, I,
1: it didn't. I always uh, I got equal amounts of both. I always had a good birthday and a good Christmas. Now, when I was in high school, I, I dated a girl for a couple of years whose birthday was Christmas Day, and uh, now she was the one that sort of got jipped, <laughs> but uh, because Christmas would always override the importance of the birthday. And, uh, but no, I always got equal both, uh, you know, good birthday and good Christmas.
0: That's nice. Uh, growing up, uh, what were just, just, so we get to know a little bit of the, uh, the, 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 the other side of you before we get into the wrestling, what were some of your uh, favorite shows growing up as a kid? What were some of your favorite TV shows growing up as a kid?
1: Uh, Gunsmoke, uh, of course the Andy Griffith show. I mean, who in the South didn't grow up loving the Andy Griffith show? Everything and- my dad watched. Yeah, and Gunsmoke and uh, uh, Branded was it was a show with Chuck Connors. Uh, I I watched that as well. So uh, anything too that that, you know, for guys had cowboy hats and rode horses, I loved it.
0: My yeah, my dad really got me into Western films. I I do I I still have a special place in my heart for Western movies and Rocky and and those were and the Andy Griffith show cuz we'd watch it all the time growing and he'd watch the Gunsmoke and Bonanza and stuff like that so it was always Oh yeah time.
1: those are timeless. Um
0: okay uh so what uh all right so you were actually trained um by the late Vern Gagne is that correct? Well actually
1: I started out in my hometowns Columbia South Carolina and I actually went through a school that was owned um, and operated by the fabulous moolah, Lillian Ellison, oh. and uh, yeah, it was a—you know—I learned the very, very basics there. It was a school, really, that was geared more toward for, more for the girls. Um, she had a few guys hanging around that that worked in the little shows that she ran around the Columbia area or the Midlands of South Carolina occasionally she would send them up to do TV for vents and they would do enhance- enhancement matches where they would go out and put one of the stars over in, you know, a minute and a half, two minutes. Uh, so there wasn't an awful lot that they could teach me, really, because they didn't have a lot of experience. But I learned the basics there. So you learned and at a
0: place that would teach girls at any point in your career when you got started, did anybody ever go, you wrestle like a girl, Del?
1: no no when you're <laughs> six three six three two ninety five you, you don't hear much of that no, I bet not
0: <laughs> so how old were you when you started your basic training
1: that would be, would have been 1987 so that would have made me 26 years old so, I book in business you so, know at so, not a young age so but you about actually 26.
0: you were actually only going training for a year before you ended up in awa then
1: Yeah, yeah, it wasn't long after that, that I ended up in the AWA. Uh,
0: And so when you started AWA, uh, you wrestled with your your given name, is that correct? Correct. And and then changed it to the Trooper while still in AWA. What inspired the change uh, to the Trooper?
1: Well, I would like to take credit and say that it was my creative thinking, but the true story is one of the guys that Moolah had that helped Trained me, uh, helped learn me how to lock up, snatch a headlock, grab an arm bar. Uh, and he would work the shows that Mueller would run around the Midlands of South Carolina. But his full time job, he was a deputy sheriff in one of the uh, nearby counties. And when he would work for Miller and work her shows, he worked as a super enforcer. And it was, he looked just like a cop, a deputy sheriff. And I hadn't been up in the AWA very long. I, I'd moved up to Minneapolis and was working for Vern, and he called me. This guy did and said, look, if I send you a tape, uh, basically a highlight tape, a tape of some of my matches, would you mind passing it on to Vern? Because this guy was looking to get a break into business as well. Sure. I said, no, not a problem. And, and Wahoo was booking up there as well, and I was real close to Wahoo. And... Uh, so this guy sent me the tape. I handed it to Wahoo, and about two weeks later, uh, Vern, Greg, uh, I can't remember which one, uh, called me up and said, look, we need you to come over to office. We want to talk with you. And uh, they said the tape that you gave us of your friend, we're not very impressed with him as someone that we'd be interested in bringing up, but we like the idea. Uh, we like the character, and they've, we've come up with a idea of a character called the trooper
0: so the gimmick actually came from a tape sent to you by a friend who the company said we'd like you to play this character
1: well but not exactly that character but sort of an offshoot of that an character. offshoot yeah
0: mm-hmm. and so but you you know you really got into it you'd walk out you'd pass out badges to the kids and stuff
1: yeah i mean it was the ultimate baby face and you're out you're Smokey the Bear cop hat, and I had the belt with the uh, the cuffs, and then and, and the uh, I think a nightstick or a flashlight or something of that effect. And of course, I would hand out badges to the kids and everybody at ringside. And then once I uh, won and uh, won the match and beat my opponent, I would write a ticket and stick it on their forehead.
0: Now I know that you know the passing to the kids. I know that's something that Bret Hart, who we'll get to a little later, did with the sunglasses, and Ray Myster- Mysterio's done with the masks, and we've seen it uh, a lot. Now, who, it, where was it being done a, a lot when you were passing out the badges? Is it something you inherited, or was, as maybe inspired, bought from if, as somebody as a younger kid, or
1: no? Once again, uh, it was something that Vern Gagne and Greg Gagne. Uh, they came up with the idea, you know. They said, "Look, as you're going to the ring, uh, you know, you'll you'll have a bag that uh, of these little plastic badges, and just take them and hand them out to the kids, and sort of make them junior troopers, uh, so, so to speak." So, so uh, no, again, that that uh, resonated from Vern.
0: That's an, and so you were maybe that the trooper was really like one of the first people to come out, handing out, but like involving the kids, giving out the the paraphernalia to the kids on the way to the ring.
1: Yeah, that I'm aware of, I mean, you know, uh, earlier than that, we've seen guys go out high-fiving people and, sure. you know, shaking hands and kissing babies and hugging grandmamas and stuff like that, but it's one of the first characters that I can remember that actually handed out a particular item to the fans and to the kids.
0: Uh, I'm going to take one step back and then come back here. Did you, wa- were you, did you watch wrestling as a kid, child? How Like, how old were you when you got into professional wrestling, or is it something you stumbled onto, or...?
1: Oh no, I uh, I loved it. Uh I, I just uh every Saturday going up here in, in, in the Midlands of South Carolina, we got mid Atlantic Championship wrestling. Okay. And uh things were different then. We only got it for uh maybe an hour. I think it was an hour show on Saturdays with Bob Cottle and then of course I saw people like uh uh Brute Bernard and the Missouri Mauler and, and Johnny Weaver and Paul Jones and Nelson Royal and I went to my first live show when I was ten years old. Oh man! Uh, at the township auditorium in Columbia, South Carolina, and the only thing I can remember about that night was the main event was Rip Hawkins, Fred Hampson against Jack and Jerry Briscoe, and I immediately became a Jack Briscoe fan. Mm.
0: That is great. I remember I was I would have been seven. I was I was born in eighty, so I would I remember my dad came home one night. I was probably about seven years old and my dad, we were gonna go to the live the WWF the time event, and he goes, Hey, they canceled the show, Hulk Hogan was sick. And I was like, What do you mean he's sick? And he's <laughs> like, I'm kidding. Shut up. Jesus. <laughs> That's good. Um, so while you were in AWA, uh now you uh You had just won the tag team titles, uh, and it ended up being the last TV taping. Um, Well,
1: I'm not sure if it was the last taping, but I know that DJ Peterson and I were the last tag team champs in the AWA. Um, Shortly thereafter, I had an opportunity to go to Japan uh, and work for all Japan, and uh, so that was my first tour over there. And I think when I got back, it wasn't long after that when I got back from Japan that the company folded and, and went out of business. So, not sure that I was involved in the last taping, but I do know for a fact that DJ and I were the last taping champs.
0: Wow! So when when AWA went under So you had actually started working Because I was going to mention that a little bit You had actually started working outside of AWA Before they went under Because I I was actually going to ask Is that being your first organization to work for Was there a kind of a sense of What am I going to do next Being that that was your first job Or did you know that you would end up in all Japan Or in Global Force for a short time
1: No, I had worked outside of uh, the AWA, uh, because you got to remember that at that time it was basically just a TV company. We uh, we did TVs. Uh, we we taped our TV ch- shows in Rochester, Minnesota. Originally, we, they were still taping at the Showboat in Las Vegas, but eventually because of just cost, uh, they just started going to Rochester, Minnesota and taping there. And basically, it was just a TV company. They would occasionally run a spot show somewhere or or house show somewhere, but for the most part, it was just TV. So I would work independent uh, shots, you know, back in the Carolinas when when I would get home. So, uh, uh, you know, it wasn't a full time gig with the AWA because at that time they were really, really on their last leg and just trying to hold on and survive as a company.
0: And so you knew you kind of knew where they were going. So you ended up uh, a couple years later. You mentioned All Japan. Now, were you, how long were you uh, in Japan? How long were you with All Japan?
1: Well, I only did one tour as the Trooper. Okay. Uh, then I came back, and of course, shortly thereafter, the AWA folded. Uh, and then I was contacted by some folks that, that uh, were involved in getting the GWF started, the Global Wrestling Federation. Bill Eady and and uh, and uh, Joe Petticino. and so uh, I flew out to Dallas. They they FedExed me a ticket, and I flew out to Dallas. Uh, the GWF ended up with the same TV spot that the AWA had, oh. which was on ESPN Monday through Friday from four to five o'clock. Uh, and Global inherited that same spot. So I flew up for the very first TV taping ever for Global. I did so with my Trooper gear because I, I didn't have any idea that I was going to do, do anything other than that.
0: Okay, you said you said it. Uh, this was on ESPN. Yeah, the AWA
1: was on ESPN Monday through Friday from four to five o'clock.
0: That's incredible. You know, and I, you know, it's funny. I hear you say that now because I actually uh, mentioned in this week's episode. I, I briefly talk about the fact that some people really say uh, that professional wrestling isn't a sport and even if you just read the definition it's uh the definition if you just look it up of sport is an activity involving physical exertion and skill in which an individual or team competes against each other uh, or others for entertainment right so it's and to hear that you know i probably grew up in an era where it, people would go there's no way this would be on espn but to hear it was on espn and i feel it's the different it's even perceived differently now than it was in like maybe the mid 80s and stuff so when you hear people say well professional wrestling is a sport what do you feel what does that what do you say to that well
1: they don't know it's sports entertainment now is it an unknown outcome no but is it athleticism involved absolutely Absolutely. some of the some of the best athletes i've ever been around were in professional wrestling as a matter of fact I mean, I you know, I played college football and and had a brief brief NFL career and the best athlete I've ever been around was was a guy that uh, that I wrestled with in Japan named Doug Furnas. He was a phenomenal athlete, a world-class athlete. So it, it, it's an athletic endeavor with uh, with tremendous athletes that are involved.
0: Like uh you know, a saying is it's not fake, it's predetermined, right? But I mean, okay, how many boxing matches have been predetermined? Right? Well, like, how many? And
1: that that fake word just drives me insane because the same people that will use that to describe pro wrestling, you know, will lay down whatever it costs to buy a ticket to go see uh, Jurassic Park, and that's sure. fake as well. You know, yeah, we know that's... that there are prehistoric animals roaming the earth now chasing kids around, so, uh, you know, that is entertainment itself. So, yeah, I've never, never liked that term, fake.
0: Uh, so, okay, you spent a, uh, you so you went to the Global Forest Federation and then you went back to All Japan Pro Wrestling?
1: Yeah, I had, uh, really gotten even a bigger break there and, uh, the biggest break of my career was in the GWF. As I was telling you earlier, I, I, went out for the first TV taping expecting to work as the trooper. Uh, I was asked literally just hours before the first show was to be taped if I would be interested in doing a character called the Patriot, Bill Eadie, and, and, uh, who, who worked as Axe in Demolition, and Joe Petticino approached me about the idea. and um, So I agreed to do it. So that night I went in the ring uh, for the first time as the Patriot, and it just was an instant uh, hit with the fans. And so I uh, stayed there for maybe a year, I guess, and, and worked for Global. And then had an opportunity to go back to Japan.
0: Uh, and you spent a couple years there at right? ninety
1: two to ninety four. Yeah, I did. I spent a couple of years in Japan. Yes.
0: Uh, were you living there at the time, or just working there?
1: No, we we just went. We we had three or four week tours. I I still lived and made my home in Columbia, South Carolina. And we would uh, we'd fly to Japan and work for three weeks or four weeks, and I'd come back home and have two weeks off, 17 days off, and then go back for three weeks and just went back and forth like that.
0: So were you working face or heel in Japan? Well, in all
1: Japan, the company I worked for, there was neither. Uh, There weren't baby faces. There weren't heels. Uh, If you'll go back and look at at, at the type of work we were doing during that time, uh, our matches, when our TV show came on on Sunday nights, uh, all of our matches had clean finishes, one, two, threes, uh every match we had whether it was tv whether it was a spot show house show every match had a clean finish there was no managers there were no valets there were no count outs there were no disqualifications every match had a clean finish
0: and we go ahead
1: so therefore there were no heels or baby faces
0: and when you take a lot of that out, when you take a lot of the story, the face to the heal, then it really changes what people are cheering for because they're not cheering necessarily for their favorite face or the hero of the month. They're cheering for what's going on in the ring. The story then becomes an in ring story, right? I mean, and. Yeah, and,
1: and, and we sold tickets and, and we put rear ends in seats and, and people watched our TV show based on the quality of match. And uh, I'll say this, and I say it with all confidence. At that time when I was working in Japan, and I went back later after WCW and went back to Japan and worked again for All Japan, but that was the greatest array of talent I'd ever been around, the greatest work i have ever been a part of when we had guys like Sam Hansen, Terry Gordy, Dr. Steve Williams, Danny Crawford, Doug Furness, Abdul the Butcher, Dory Funk Jr., uh, Baba Jumbo Saruda, Kawada, Tawei, Mazawa, Kabashi, that's the greatest lineup of talent I've ever been around, and it was the greatest product, the greatest work I've ever seen, and it was phenomenal. And, and and it was all because of the action in the ring, the believability of it, the quality of the match.
0: What shows are you watching right now? You what? As far as uh, wrestle, pro wrestling, right? Are, are you staying <laughs> up with WWE? You watching any uh, Ring of Honor, Lucha? TN, are you are you keeping up? I occasionally watch WWE. Uh, I have recently caught a couple of
1: episodes of New Japan. Okay. Uh, but that's it. I, I am not a big viewer uh, of wrestling right now.
0: Okay. Uh, just, you, you know, because I, I only ask, you're talking about working with No Heels or Faces, and, you know... the I think right now what we see is where you have the WWE is kind of using the Internet day. They're calling it a reality era, which I find is just kind of a cop out to like to just to like battle the information. So they come out and say that there's no heels or faces. But then when you clearly look at what's going on, it's clearly there's heels and faces. And I feel like maybe they don't know. Maybe they want to try to get to no heels or faces, but don't really know how to do that. So maybe bringing in some of this younger indie talent might actually help them get to where they think they want to be?
1: Well, it could be. And, you know, I guess there are always, uh, you know, promoters and, and, and folks that run these companies are always looking for new ideas and what they think are fresh ideas. I remember when I was working for Vern Danya in the AWA, as a trooper. They came up with this notion one time. We literally went into a TV studio the way wrestling used to be when I was growing up. It was shot from a TV studio, but we had no fans in the building, no audience, nobody. It was just a ring and two guys or four guys working a match in a ring, and when it was shown on their TV show, it was canned sound. It it, it was the craziest thing I've ever been a part of in my life to literally – work uh, a match uh, in a TV studio, and there'd be no fans in the building. And so would, I get, I guess, people, you know, I guess these guys have always tried different things to see if they would work.
0: And they added the sound. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So you you ended up you did that for a couple of years, and then you ended up actually in WCW for a year. Well, I was there for longer than
1: a year. I signed a three-year contract with them. And I was probably there oh, closer, three, uh, you guess. know, year and a half, maybe two, I guess. But uh, yeah, that's what—that's my next stop was WCW.
0: Okay, and what? how did you end up? What opened that door for you? Uh,
1: the AWA connection, When I worked in the AWA, uh, uh, and uh, he at this point in time was running WCW. Greg Gagne was now working for WCW as a booker. Uh, they were doing everything, booking by committee. There were several guys on that booking committee and Greg being one of them. So uh, Bischoff called me up and asked me if I'd be interested in sitting down and meeting with him about possibly going to work there. So uh, I uh, I went over to Atlanta and sat down with Eric and spent a couple hours talking and, uh, ended up signing a three-year contract to work for WCW. Well,
0: who were some of the, your who? Are, what are some of your favorite matches from the, your WCW your time in WCW in the mid '90s? Uh, like, who were some of the people you enjoyed working with the most in that company?
1: Well, uh, they teamed. I uh, initially went in as a uh, singles wrestler, yeah. but uh, I hadn't been there very long, and they teamed Bagwell and uh, the other tag team called Stars and Stripes. All right. Yep. And uh, we had an awful lot of matches, pretty wonderful, Paul Paul Roman, Paul Orndorff, always enjoyed working with those guys, always really especially enjoyed working with Orndorff, uh, sort of an old school guy, uh, and then we also spent uh, a lot of time working with uh, Harlem Heat, uh, Stevie Ray and Booker T, and uh, always enjoyed working with those guys, and we worked with uh, other tag teams like the Nasty Boys and uh, Robert Fuller and Jimmy Golden, so there were a number of good tag teams there that that we enjoyed working with.
0: Were you with WCW when Hogan made the transfer?
1: Yeah, I sure was. So- Hogan came in, Savage came in, Beefcake, Beefcake came in. Yeah, I was there when all those guys were brought in.
0: What was the general locker room uh, consensus, or was there like like how was that perceived in the locker room when Hogan came over? If uh, in, in Macho, I mean. Was it different for Hogan and Macho? Or is when I mean, was there people like, oh, there goes the title for the next three years? or? Well, I, I
1: think initially there was excitement because we knew that obviously at that time the biggest name in the business was Hulk Hogan, and sure. of course Savage was one of the biggest names in the business, so obviously when you're bringing those guys in there's a sense of, okay, you know, uh, ratings are going to be better, houses are going to be better, but Shortly thereafter, you realize that now the focus of everything WCW is doing is around Hogan and around Savage and whatever they want, you know, whatever programs they want uh, going on. So, you know, it didn't take long to realize that, you know, the focus now was not on the rest of us, but on those guys.
0: Sure. Uh, And so you kind of left WCW right before the whole uh, shortly before uh, the whole NWO thing blew up.
1: Yeah, I did. I, I grew a little weary, and, and and with what was going on in WCW, I grew unhappy with it. Uh, I uh, I actually approached, and, and I had already had it set up where I was going back to Japan. That's how unhappy I was in WCW, and uh, I went to Bischoff, and and like a man, and asked him if he would let me out of the last year of my deal, and he wouldn't do it. So uh, I walked, and I just um, I was supposed to be in a pay per view. And I go into greater detail uh, about this story and about the the sort of the uh, verbal sparring that ensued between Bischoff and I um, in the DVD we got coming out um, with Elbow Productions, uh, the Man Behind the Mask, the elder Patriot Wilts. But I was supposed to be in a um, at a pay per view, and if I'm not mistaken, it may have been Tupelo, Mississippi. But I know showed him. And I was on a plane back to Tokyo to go back to Japan and go to work.
0: Were you booked as a singles for that, or were you? That was no. A Bag, Bagwell and
1: I were going to be in a tag match, and the only person that ER wasn't going to be there was Bagwell. Wow. I told no one else.
0: Goodness. So, did he end up just not being able to wrestle that? Did they find a replacement, or?
1: Yeah, they, they found a replacement, and, and 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 they did something else. But uh, you know, I had given Bischoff the opportunity to release me and let me go, and. You know, as I explained to him, man, I'm going to work for a company halfway around the world. Their TV show will never be seen in the United States. The only way people will see it here, at that time was on, you know, on video or on tape, and uh, so I'm not competing with you. I'm not going to work for a company that's competing head to head with you. But uh, he wouldn't let me out, so um, I made my mind up. Even so, if he wasn't going to let me out, I was gone. So when was
0: that exactly again? Like that? Do you like, do you remember? You don't remember which? Do you about that pay per view?
1: I don't remember the pay per view exactly, but this was probably 95,
0: I would think. About 95. Okay. Uh, so then you did end up uh, going back to Japan, and then from Japan, you ended up in WWF? I did.
1: Um, um, I went back to Japan for a while, and again, I apologize, but the years are fuzzy. The length of time I was there is a little fuzzy. Sure. But uh, I, I did end up. After I went back to Japan, I worked there for a while, but then ended up back in the States in the WWF. Uh,
0: okay, so what, uh, how, I guess, same question, what opened the doors for the WWF uh, for you at that time?
1: Well, I had I had talked to Vince as far back as, as probably 91 or 92 about going to work there. Okay. And it, it just never worked out. The timing never worked out for, for us to get together and, 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 and make it happen. But I had um due to the physical style of work uh that we produced in Japan with our matches, they were they were very snug matches, they were you know, pretty stiff matches, it was just a different style of work. Sure. And it had started taking a toll on my body. I'd, I had I had some injuries that were pretty severe, uh that were career threatening type injuries, and uh the opportunity presented itself to meet with Vince and and to one more time see if we could put something together where I could come back to the States and go to work. And uh, I knew that the, the type of work would be less taxing on my body. It, wasn't, it wouldn't be as demanding on my body. And uh, so um, I flew up to uh, Connecticut and, and WWF headquarters and sat down with Vince. And again, after a couple of hours, uh, we agreed to a, to a three-year deal. So uh, that was when I left Japan and came back to the States.
0: So you went there to have that sit-down with Vince McMahon, and you said it, took, it was a couple hours? It was like a two-hour meeting?
1: Yeah, we sat down and talked for a couple of hours, and at the end of it, uh, you know, we had come to an agreement on, on terms for a three-year deal, and I flew home, and within 48 hours, I had a contract FedExed to me, and I signed off on it and
0: FedExed it back. Is that a nerve-wracking meeting? What does a two-hour meeting with Vince McMahon feel like?
1: No, it, it, it wasn't. I, I, you know, like I say, I had met Vince before. From uh, I had gone up and worked uh, uh, worked some shows for for Vince back in the early nineties, and uh, so uh, it wasn't nerve wracking in any way. It was, uh, uh, you know, obviously I was hoping things would work out, and Absolutely. it was a very pleasant meeting, and we talked about things other than wrestling. We talked about where I would like to be three or four years down the road with my career and, and what I saw myself doing in the WWF at the time and and about just, you know, things that happened in my career, my previous stops along my career. So it's a very relaxed atmosphere. I, uh, You know, there's this persona of Vince on TV that the fans see, but then there's the real Vince, uh, you know, in those business and one-on-one situations, and, and, uh, and there was nothing intimidating about it or nerve-wracking about it.
0: So when you did, the meeting was over, you signed your contract, did you have this sense of after like almost 10 years of like 10 years since you started training and, you know, working for the Global Force, Japan, tours in Japan, just everywhere? And then was there a sense of like, finally, or that you finally made it to the top? Because I mean, they've been perceived as the biggest business, at least in the States for a long time. So was there, you said you, I know you were hoping, was there a sense of relief or like finally, or yes, or?
1: No, there wasn't a sense of relief because um, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Uh, I didn't feel like that. Obviously, working for Vince in the States was a feather in your cap, and he was considered, and they were considered the top company in the States. But, you know, I'd worked for WCW, which, you know, was also a big deal, too. But I considered working for All Japan, and at the time I worked for him, to be as big a deal as working for Vince uh, because. When I was breaking into business at the time I was into business, if you had an invitation to go work for Baba at All Japan or Inoki in New Japan, yeah. at least of at least those within the business, that was that was a big deal. If you could go work in Japan, that was a huge deal. It was considered really uh, a feather in your cap. So uh I didn't take it that going to work for Vince was like, Wow, I finally reached the pinnacle. I felt like you know I'm happy that I've got the opportunity to work for the company that's probably considered the best company in the in America, but you know they weren't doing any any better business than what Bible was doing back in the nineties
0: okay so um What was the decide like as far as your story uh, when you came in? Did you get this is actually um, a question from one of our fans and it's perfect. It's a perfect fit right here since we're in it. One of our fans of the Yes Talk, Randy Delp, said, uh, "Were you uh, was your initial plan to be brought into?" to foil for Bret Hart to feud because he was in his uh, international, he was he was definitely playing the heel for Vince at the time with the Canadian thing. So was that the initial, That was your initial plan to come in for that, or
1: no, not initially. Uh, Vince was somewhat skeptical, uh, and, and even in, in our initial meeting, uh, the you know when we sat down and talked, he was a little skeptical that a a masked character could get over uh, at that particular point in time. Uh, in wrestling, and with the climate of wrestling being what it was, and you know the, the fans were, were had been smartened up to a certain extent, and he just didn't, he wasn't convinced that a mask character could get over. But you know, I said, look, I, I think that it can, and give me the opportunity to prove to you it can. And and of course, I had Jim Ross in my corner and Bruce Pritchett, and those guys felt like that. Yeah, you know, indeed, a, a mask character could get over because. It had in WCW, it had in Global, it had in Japan. I'd had success anywhere I'd ever been. And so it was shortly after my debut, and and, and Vince realized early on that, wow, you know, this guy can get over, His character can get over, and, you know, the people do get behind him, and it was at that point in time that we decided to, uh, you know, to get involved and and to involve myself with Bret Hart and that anti-American angle that was going on at the time, and it was a perfect fit perfect timing
0: perfect fit yeah and it it went really well um now you so you came in a little after wrestlemania and um and then you had an unfortunate injury while in wwf uh before even the end of the year uh which that kind of ended your career at that point so you never actually got to make that full year back to wrestlemania with wwf um so and based off of that, we had and this is the last one if it's okay with you. if We have another one. Another fan with a from the Yes Talk, uh, Nathaniel Feliciano asked if uh, it would have uh, if you would have had a longer stint with WWF. What would your uh, dream WrestleMania match have been?
1: Well, I would have liked to have had a WrestleMania match with with Brett. I uh, I'd like to. I'd like to have had one with uh, with uh, with Austin. Uh, I'd worked with Austin in and WCW and, and uh, We've known each other since back then. And but yeah, I'd love to work to WrestleMania with Brett. But actually, um, I didn't get injured in the WWF. I went to the WWF with, with injuries that, that, that I'd already sustained in Japan. And uh, those things were just
0: aggravated at, at that point. Moving on, tell us about uh, your tell us about the, the documentary.
1: Well, I was approached uh, last year by Michael Elliott, Elbow Productions. Uh, who has done great work. He's done documentaries on the Rock and Roll Express, Ivan Koloff, Jimmy Valiant, Magnum T.A., and does great work. I mean, just fabulous first-class work, and he approached me about doing one about me and my life and uh, not only my wrestling career, but my entire life. It uh, it starts from birth and, and uh, goes all the way through the present day. It covers my days as a uh, as a football player at the University of South Carolina and, and into, on into my wrestling career and some of the hardships I went through after I got out of wrestling and to where I am presently. And uh, we're awful excited about it. Michael, like I said, does just tremendous work. And um, we've got a lot of great people uh, that are involved in it that we've interviewed for it that you'll see on it once we have the product finished and it's available to the public. Stan Hanson, Greg Gagne, Marcus Bagwell, Bobby Fulton, Jackie Fulton, uh, guys that I played football with at the University of South Carolina, including the 1980 Heisman Trophy winner, George Rogers, who was a teammate of mine, and um, and even my mom and, and other people in my family that are included in this. So it's an all-encompassing story. It's just not wrestling. It's my entire life, and we're awful excited about it. We should be pretty close to having this thing completed And um, also, too, wrestling fans, we have a Kickstarter campaign that they can go to and and donate to and help us as we uh, come near the completion of this project, and they can donate and become a part of this project and help us as we complete it. Uh, Michael does great work, but this isn't what Michael does for a living. It's not his everyday job. This is a labor of love for him, and um, he has spent a lot of his own money out of pocket to do this, so... Now we've given the fans an opportunity to go to Kickstarter and donate and help us finish this project up, and they can get wonderful gifts and prizes based on the amount of donation and uh, everything from your name in the credits to autograph masks, autograph flags, autograph 8x10s, uh, copies of some of the other DVDs that Michael's done, and even copies of this DVD, The Man Behind the Mask, Del the Patriot Wilkes. So we're excited about it. It's going to be a great product, and – uh Think it's going to tell a great story.
0: Um, so, so it does. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into to documentaries. Uh, I know firsthand because uh, it's even once it's shot, once it's all on tape, somebody's got to edit that. And then once Correct. once somebody edits that, somebody else has to edit that again. And then somebody has to do color correction. And then somebody has to do audio mastering. And then it, once the movie's done and it looks great and it sounds great, somebody's got to sell that. Somebody's got to put that in festivals. Somebody has to come up with promotions for that. There, it doesn't just stop with the cameras. There is a lot that goes into film, especially documentary. So, um, yeah, and so that's Kickstarter. um, and, um and so, how deep does the movie get? Because I know you've um, you, you've been pretty open in in the past about addic- steroids and addiction. So, do you cover all that in the movie, or?
1: Oh yeah, every bit of it's covered. I. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm very transparent in, in 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 the things that I've gone through and the successes in my life and, and the failures in my life and it goes into very very it goes into detail about uh, the, the problems that I went through after wrestling and and the addiction with pain medication and and uh, and just the, the, the horrible horrible times that that took me through but also it also covers. The redemptive side of that, and just being able to come out the other side uh, alive, and and uh, being able to put my life back together. So uh, it covers all of it. And then there's nothing covered. There's nothing hid. We're very open and honest about it.
0: Were steroids pretty common when you were coming up? I imagine in wrestling. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. It it was a big part of of the business then, and 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 uh, you know when. When you're in a business where you, you work without a shirt and, and you know, physique sales and size sales like it did during the time that I wrestled, uh, it was extremely prevalent within the business. As a matter of fact, more guys uh, used them than guys that didn't. So, yeah, it was, it was a huge part of the industry.
0: And because um, I, I imagine your injuries probably kind of forced you to, re- you're forced into retirement with injury, correct?
1: Oh yeah, the injuries ended my career. I, I I was physically unable to continue to to get in a ring and work.
0: Was that hard to deal with? I can imagine that because I mean I, yeah, I can imagine that'd be pretty hard to accept at first.
1: Oh, it, it was. I mean, this was what I had dreamed of doing as a as a young as a boy as a kid, and uh, to now all of a sudden just to have it suddenly come to an end and come to a stop because of injuries and. uh, you know, the one thing that I had counted on literally at that point in time, my entire life, to get me through was my body. It got me through as a football player. It got my education paid for at the University of South Carolina. It allowed me an opportunity to play in the NFL, uh, albeit a very short career, and then it allowed me an opportunity to become a professional wrestler and use my body to make a living and provide for my family uh, and to do what I dreamed of doing, but then, because of the injuries, that same body failed me and just gave out on me so uh yeah it was tough it was really really tough
0: i can i i can really i i can absolutely understand how that would be especially when less than a year ago you were giving vince mcmahon your four-year plan of your career so when you when you what was can i ask what that was when you when you gave him that answer and can i ask when you gave that answer did in the back of your head were you like i if it may not go this long
1: oh yeah Absolutely, because uh, when Vince hired me, I had I had hit injuries from Vince that he wasn't aware of uh, because I wanted the opportunity con- to continue my career, to extend my career, but I knew I was on shaky ground, and I probably didn't have very long because of these injuries. I mean, they were taking a heavy toll on me and my body, my ability to do what I needed to do in the ring. Uh, they had affected my ability to go to the gym and work out. Uh, my physique had started to change. I was losing size and mass and thickness. So it, it was having a tremendous negative effect on my career. And um, I, when I sat down and gave him that four-year plan about being one of the top guys in his company and, and seeing myself in a position to one day work for the belt, wrestle for the belt, to have the belt around my waist, I knew deep down inside that I was I was living on borrowed time. Absolutely.
0: I do appreciate you being so honest with us today. What was it like? Did you use uh, cocaine and stuff before you got into the industry, or is that something that maybe was influenced on the road from traveling so much, or just, hey, check this out? Or
1: No, I had gotten into that before I'd gotten into the, the wrestling business, just in, in, in social settings, going out with friends and, and uh, you know, uh, going out to a club or a bar with friends. I had a, a real close friend of mine that owned the bar in Columbia, and and I actually, when I was breaking into the business, at the very infant stages of my career, when I was working for Moolah, and you didn't get enough work, there weren't enough shows to to make a full time living as a pro wrestler. I had to, um, you know, to to help my financial situation by working uh, in a nightclub or in a bar. And uh, you're introduced to, to all types of drugs in a setting like that. Sure. So getting on the road uh, wasn't my first exposure uh, to illegal drugs. I had I had participated in that prior to it.
0: No, I had, uh, I spent many years traveling and as a stand-up comedian living out in L.A. and just growing up in an atmosphere. So, I mean, I have had my own demons in my life, and I know how you've it put in certain situations how hard it can be and how easy it can be to find that loop, you know, and – and it really is one of the hardest things to do, is to just to move on to just say, okay, I'm done with this, I'm I'm done, you yeah. Know,
1: so it is. You're exactly right, and that's a good point. And there's nothing, there's nothing good that comes out of that, nothing good at all. And that's part of of the story that, that we're, we try what to tell t- in in our documentary is that there's there's nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing good that comes from that.
0: No, um, and is that how you kind of tried to heal? Uh, heal yourself emotionally when you were uh, when your body prevented you from going back to the ring did you fall a little bit deeper at that point trying to just keep that smile well
1: I, I by the time my career ended I was I mean I was heavily addicted to pain medication and and was using other pharmaceutical drugs sleeping pills muscle relaxers uh, things of that nature and, and then just fell into that you know that just that dog chasing its tail mode of life, where you know you you spend every waking moment of your day trying to figure out how you're going to get your next bottle of pills and your next uh, fix so you can just get through the day without being sick, and it becomes just a maddening, maddening cycle of of you know lunacy. It's just crazy. And, uh, you know, it just affects every area of your life in a negative way.
0: It does. It does. Uh, can, do you have any, uh, would you want to be willing to share any any juicy road stories that maybe maybe didn't even make it to the movie? Anything that you could go, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that, that you want to say right now? Any fun stories? Well,
1: that? there are a lot of juicy stories about the road. Uh, and a lot of them, most of them include other guys. And uh, it's not my job to tell juicy things that other people did <laughs> on the road, and that uh, may have may have been with me when we did those type of things. And plus, there are uh, young people, even children, that may listen to this, and uh, those stories aren't for those ears. That's, so um,
0: no, yeah, it's good. And so looking at that. Uh, there is, yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm excited to watch this. I'm excited to see you, the, I'm excited to see your documentary. I'm excited to to, to see the lesson in it. And, uh, it, like even if you had anything to say to, uh, not even to the children, cause I, I do try to keep my show clean because I try to promote towards like a lot of the live WWE show and like a lot of the, so I do, I, am I, as well as like the, you know, the marks and the indies fans. So. Uh I I try to keep it uh acceptable for all ages. So um if you had something to say not even just to like younger fans but to like younger wrestlers coming up right now, um working or uh as far as you know um how to keep going on the road or how to treat their body what would your advice be for that?
1: Well, number 1, your body is your money maker, so you need to take care of it. And you need to do everything you can to preserve it. And you don't need to put things in it that will hurt it, that will destroy it. And it is a tough life on the road. It can be very demanding. It can be very difficult. But I worked with guys. may not have been a lot of them, but I worked with guys who did not have to participate in that culture of drugs. They didn't get addicted to painkillers. They didn't use cocaine. They didn't abuse alcohol or even use alcohol. So if one guy can do it, anybody can do it. And uh, I worked with enough guys that were able to do that um, and not participate in those things and not fall victim to those different or, or those types of habits and bad choices. So it can be done. And in the end, if you want to have a successful long career, uh, you know it, it's got to be done. It's a must. And and plus two, with those bad choices. Those bad decisions, there come consequences each and every time. You plant corn, you get corn. You plant tomatoes, you get tomatoes. It's just a fact of life. You make bad decisions, there are bad, bad consequences you're going to have to deal with. So just do the right thing. Be smart.
0: And you're making public appearances right now, signings, conventions?
1: I do, yes.
0: Where are you going to be coming up?
1: Uh, I am going to be July the 4th. I'm going to be in Pikeville, Kentucky. Uh, let's see. I am going to be in Anderson, South Carolina, July the eighteenth.
0: Where
1: at? Uh, um, I don't even know the name of the venue. Perfect. Actually, check them out. Uh, but Continue. but I'm I'm, I'm going to be at a local church in Columbia, South Carolina, also the morning of of July the eighteenth. So we got a lot of things going on. Uh, you can follow us at Twitter at Dell Wilks. Uh, also got a Facebook page, Dell the Patriot Wilkes, where we'll be posting events and places we're going to be.
0: Hey, uh, Dell, Mr. Patriot, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Check him out. Go to the Kickstarter, Dell Wilkes. Uh, one more time, the name of the movie? Dell the
1: Patriot Wilkes, the man behind the mask.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, I do appreciate you coming on. I appreciate your time. It means so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Good night. Okay, guys, thank you so, so much. I hope you enjoyed the interview. It was That was, man, it was, I mean,. It was such a privilege for me to to be able to talk to him. Uh, the show, you know, this is our 14th episode. You know, we're just over a few months in, and I'm already getting to talk to some people that I have grew up uh, watching, uh, that I've known for years. Uh, if you want to see how excited I was uh, while interviewing him and talking to him, go to my Facebook, just Laugh Dustin Kaufman. Uh, and I have my picture posted right there of the excitement I had while I was in here in the studio talking to Dell. I mean, it's so cool. It's like, it really is like, it's, it's just awesome to be a part of that and to be able to talk to him Uh, and so go check them out. Dell, the Patriot Wilkes, the man behind the mask, go check out the Kickstarter. It really is. Films are so expensive. I mean, and it doesn't stop at filming. It doesn't. It just, so go check them out. Uh, again, iTunes, if you want to help the show out for free, just go to iTunes, please subscribe, rate, review. Uh, and Hey, if you don't even want to do that, just follow me on Twitter, share the show with your friends, retweet. All right. Uh, I love you. I love wrestling. Good night, Yes Talk. Good night, Kaufman guys. Good night, Kaufman girls. Rock out with your talk out. This is the Yes Talk and I'm Dustin Kaufman.